Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I'm Ben McKee, joined by my guy, Eric Kane, EC. We finally got you on the pod. How you doing, my friend? Hey, doing well. Looking forward uh, to the season. Uh, get ready to, to get going, man. It was it was fun last year, so looking forward to this year. That's right. The eve of opening day. And I know Major League Baseball has us feeling some type of way about opening day right now. But in terms of college baseball and just speaking to opening day in general, man, there are a few better feelings than opening day. No, you're right. Uh, it's, you know, for Major League Baseball opening day, I feel like it should be a national holiday to where, you know, you don't go to school, you don't go to, don't go to um, you know, practice, you don't go to work, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, it's, it's especially in this area uh, here in Knoxville, it's kind of starting to feel that way for Tennessee baseball. And that's, that's what Tony Vitello has brought to this program and some, a lot of energy. And uh, even though it's not SEC play, and it won't be SEC play for a long time, a lot of excitement, and certainly uh, people are feeling some type of way heading into tomorrow. Yes, a- absolutely. And it, it may not be SEC play, but Georgia Southern, not a team that should be taken lightly. And I can assure you that Tennessee itself will, will not be taking Georgia Southern lightly. But I love on I love something that you touched on, and, and that's kind of the Tony Vitello effect. Brent Hubbs and I recorded a, a quick little preview pod for the season for VolQuest that's going up Friday morning. And one of the things I had mentioned was I think it's cool just how how great the, the, the carryover from last season has been to this season. And just remembering as when I was a student journalist at Tennessee and, and covering some of those baseball games under Dave Serrano and just how little people were there, especially in the non-conference. And, and the only time – Lindsey Nelson would somewhat be packed is when Vanderbilt or Florida mm-hmm. or LSU would come to town. And even then 50 to 60% of it would be the opposing fans. And now on the eve of opening day, tickets are practically sold out. I mean, the only thing really left is general admission seats and they they've even added seats down the left field line. There's a double deck porch. Uh, so not only is the environment, and Lindsey Nelson carrying over from last year and uh, a little bit from the year before, before COVID canceled that season. But even the inter- the simple, stupid interactions on Twitter, I mean, the 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 hype on, on social media is real. And the same people who were kind of along for the, the ride last year and, and jumped on the bus as Tennessee was headed to Omaha, it seems like even that is carried over to social media and there's a lot of buzz about this team going in. Uh, to, to, to 2022, I think the carryover has been really, really neat to watch. I think so, too. Um, I think Tennessee baseball picked up a lot of new fans. A lot of people, as you said, that, you know, it's kind of like, OK, this team's pretty good. Oh, this team is hosting some type of playoff series. Oh, that's kind of neat. Oh, they're hosting another some type of playoff series. Cool. Oh, they're going to the World Series. OK, now, you know, that that that, that means they're really good. And so I think this program picked up a lot of new fans, a lot of young fans, too, which I think is awesome. More families uh, inside the stadium. And it's funny you mentioned about when you were a student journalist going and nobody went to the games. A lot of times it would be the opposing um, it would be the opposing uh, team, you know, with their fans coming to the stadium. Now you had, you know, pop up bleachers, you know, that were brought in for the regionals, for the super regionals. Down that left field line, I mean, there's plans to obviously, uh, you know, give Lindsey Nelson Stadium a, a major facelift in the years to come and taking care of Tony Vitello. So, I mean, it's it's different times here in, in Knoxville. And so, um, 
again, year five of Tony V. Yeah, really year four and a half if you want to be precise about it. But a lot of a lot of things to look forward to. Yes, absolutely. And will be fun to see the, the baseball program continue to grow uh, from this point on. And this team isn't going to be what it was last year. Last year's team, although they went 0-2 in Omaha, last year's team had a legit chance to win a national championship and just unfortunately played their worst baseball of the year when it mattered most. But this team is still going to be good. It's still going to to be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, that That's kind of my baseline, simple, quick uh, expectation on this team when I've been asked the, the last month or so. But it's still a team that could potentially compete to to go to Omaha if if all the the pieces fall together and the the players that are expected to play well if, if they play well and, and Tennessee can get healthy by the time uh, SEC play rolls around and, and tournament play rolls around uh, this 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 is definitely a team that can compete for Omaha. Kind of on that note, just with. What are your expectations going into to this season? Because there does need to to be a a rethinking of of sorts uh, from Tennessee fans, in, in my opinion, just because it's not going to be all sunshine and roses this year, like it like it was last year. Last year just seemed so easy for yeah. for Tennessee baseball. It's not going to be like that this year, especially in this first month of the season, as new players and new roles start to figure this thing out. Yeah, I mean, I guess my expectation would be for, you know, Tennessee to be competitive, be competitive in, in every single series you're in. I know that's a that's a challenge in the SEC because you win the East next year, then you're preseason picked fourth and fifth <laughs> in your division. I mean, that that just that's a testament to how how challenging the SEC is, how great baseball is in the SEC. Yeah, I expect Tennessee to be competitive and have a chance to win every series. Um, I don't think Tennessee is going to go undefeated on Fridays again. I just don't think that the staff has the arms right now, especially out of the gates to, to kind of have that sustainable. I think that some of the injury concerns that I know you've hit on and will continue to hit on, that's a that's a real factor for Tennessee. And getting those guys back are going to be huge. Um, how they progress, the timeline there, how effective they are when they do return. I mean, you're talking about the ace of your staff right here at a – you know, a top transfer that came over during the offseason in terms of the starting rotation, right? And so you, know, you can't take those lightly. Uh, potentially two true freshmen, you know, starting on the weekends maybe. Um, you know, that th- those are some concerns. But bottom line, I think I think the foundation is built here with Tony Vitello. I think that uh, the culture is set here uh, in Knoxville. And you still return a whole lot of pop in that lineup despite saying goodbye to, what was it, four draft picks in that lineup? Um so, I, I, again, I, I expect Tennessee to compete in every single series. I expect Tennessee to be a postseason team. Um, but it's going to have to find its new identity because certainly uh, about 50, you know, roughly, I think you said about 48% of the offense, it's gone. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it'll take a little while for the volunteers to figure themselves out, but I think they can. Yes, practically half of the production mm-hmm. from last season is gone with Jake Rucker moving on from third base to the Twins. Liam Spence being drafted by the Padres, uh, Max Ferguson, well, Max Ferguson going to the Padres, Liam Spence being drafted by the Cubs, and then Connor Pavoloni being drafted by Ket- 
by by catcher. Lord have mercy. Lord Baltimore. drafted by the the Orioles. That that's how bad I hate the Orioles as a uh, as a Yankees fan. Is I just I don't even want to mention their name. It's it's like speaking about Voldemort as a as a Harry Harry Potter fan. Do not say his but, name. Dude, he who shall not uh, be named. Also, dude, I, trying. Go ahead. HBO HBO Max, man. I I I'm a big Potterhead now. I watched them all in like a couple weeks span. <laughs> Back when I had COVID and uh, yep. dude, loved it, man. Big Potterhead right now. Big Pothead for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. There, there's certainly big potheads in uh, my family as well. People who love <laughs> Harry Potter. I was also trying to pull up those stats that you were referencing that I had in my uh, position preview, position player preview. And Tennessee is losing 48% of its at-bats, 46.6% of its runs, 50% of its hits. 38% of its home runs, 42% of its RBIs, 53% of its walks, and 52% of its stolen bases. And we mentioned the guys who were drafted, Pavoloni, Ferguson, Spence, Rucker. But you also lose Pete Durke, your starting designated hitter, who you can make a case for being the most underrated player on that team last year. And you also lose your backup catcher, Jackson Greer. So you, you lose all that in the lineup. And yes, you you returned some some key pieces as well. Let, let's not get it twisted. You you've got Jordan Beck coming back, potential first round pick if everything goes according to plan. Drew Gilbert, a top three round pick. Luke Lipsius, who's just going to hit fifteen or so homers yet again. Evan Russell making the transition to catcher, but he's a guy that is going to uh, hit fifteen home runs or so yet again. Be a great leader for this team. Be a great leader for the pitching staff. And you know he's going to have another clutch moment or two or three. He just has uh, a theme for the dramatics, a flair for the dramatics, I should say. And uh, those will pop up again. But uh, in addition to all that you're losing in the lineup, you're, you're rebuilding your rotation as well. Chad Dallas, your Friday night starter, he's gone. Will Heflin, your, your Saturday starter, he's gone. Uh, Sean Hunley, you, you're, you're just – huge piece your main piece out of the bullpen he's gone uh and you do have names coming back there in in the bullpen as well redmond walsh is back blade tidwell is back so you do have some key pieces coming back but to me all the way i would summarize everything that i just said and kind of projecting towards this year kane is that it's not going to be a full-on rebuild this team is going to be good once again there's just going to to be some growing pains, and it wouldn't surprise me to see this baseball team take a similar path to the basketball team where that basketball team had guys in new roles, and it took them a month or so to adjust to, to their new roles. It, it took them simply playing a lot of basketball, and what do you know? Now it looks like they're, they're poised to make a deep run in March. So uh, I think that this baseball team is going to, to follow a similar path to that basketball team. I mean, look at what all the successful baseball programs around the country do. I mean, the Van- I'm, I'm not trying to say Tennessee is is where Vanderbilt is or anything, but I mean Vanderbilt Vanderbilt loses guys every single year to the draft, to graduation, um, to, in their recruiting class, guys that they sign that are going to go ahead and just play professionally. You know, Florida's the same way, and so it, it's it's more you know re regroup instead of rebuild completely. Because you're right, you do bring back some some great pieces, two-thirds of your outfield. You bring back a guy, you're starting left fielder that is now your catcher that 
really has a flair for the dramatics. Uh, a guy that's played a ton of baseball at first base, uh, a third baseman at Trey Lipscomb that's been here for a couple of years, and it's always been kind of like, oh, he's he's that guy. He's going to be good one day. Well, now that day is here. Let's see what you got, right? Um, so you do bring back a lot, but it's, it's you know, you're going to have to turn it over and, and welcome in some new guys. And speaking of welcoming in some new guys, I think something that was critical that some news came down earlier this week and just, just in time, right, with all the additions to uh, this starting staff, would be the addition of uh, Ethan Smith from Vanderbilt, a guy that you know, guy was a, a little banged up last year. I know he uh, contracted COVID and missed, missed uh, I want to say like two months of last season, but mm-hmm. a guy that can start, a guy that can you know come out of the pen, a uh, guy that can throw hard as a winning, winning tradition there at Vanderbilt. He's played in, uh, I think he's appeared in about almost 30 games. Um, this is, this is big. I feel like Ben, you can certainly add more than I can Ethan Davis here to Tennessee and, uh, being ruled eligible after coming over uh, during the Christmas break. Absolutely. Just a, a huge development for Tennessee with, with Ethan Smith, not a Ethan Davis, Tennessee tight end commit, but it, it, it's Whoops. all good. I, I, I actually, uh, I called him Jabari Smith this morning on the Swain event because we had a conversation about Auburn, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Auburn and uh, Jabari Smith and Jabari it Smith happens. lighting it up on, on Wednesday night. I actually called, Two Tennessee players, Jabari Smith, twice <laughs> during the show. We also had a conversation about Jabari Small, and I, I referred to Jabari Small as Jabari Smith. Uh, I think it's safe well. to so, say Ben likes Jabari Smith. Okay. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> those on the on the board already know this and were mad at me when I said that I would not even think twice about trading Zakai Ziegler for Jabari Smith, and, and I would do it in a heartbeat. No contest. No, no. Yeah, con- I mean, right. the, the goal we're not going down is, that road, Cater. The goal is to win a championship right now. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, go I ahead. love some Zakai, but that, whew. all right. Let's not do that. But uh, yes, Ethan Smith is a huge addition uh, for Tennessee. And, and actually, one, one more quick uh, funny. When Ethan Smith first committed to Tennessee, I could not quit calling him Ethan Small because I had Jabari Small on the name as well. So uh, poor Ethan Smith. I, I need to see him play for a couple of weeks so I can get his name down yeah. pat and, and keep getting him uh, mixed up with everybody else. But Ethan Smith from Vandy, uh, a huge addition, A, in the short term, because of the injuries that Tennessee is dealing with. Blake Tidwell out for the foreseeable future. I, I don't know if that sounds too dramatic, but certainly out uh, several more weeks, I would say that, the target is just before SEC play or as SEC play is beginning for him to come back from his let, let me get this twisted because this this confuses me as well his shoulder soreness that stems from shoulder stiffness uh, that that one is uh, one that I haven't necessarily heard before in baseball he he experiences stiffness while throwing and that leads to shoulder soreness which takes a little bit longer to recover from. Uh, so that's what's been bothering him, but he'll miss the first couple of weeks of the season. Canvin uh, Sewell was going to take his role this weekend against Georgia Southern in the rotation, but uh, he takes a ground ball off the, the fingertips in practice, and that is not good for a pitcher. So uh, he's in a, a finger cast at the moment, but it, it seems to be just a, a weekend deal. And Tony Vitello technically said that it's that it's unlikely that he pitches. So didn't completely rule him out, but he's most likely not going to to pitch. And I can assure you that 
that means he's not going to pitch because Tony Vitello is the most cautious person on the planet when it comes to getting pitchers back from injuries and, and really any player back from injury, not just pitchers. Um, and he's critical of himself and has said in the past that, hey, maybe I'm, I'm overly cautious and, and take too long. I just don't want to rush these guys back. So you're out Blake Tidwell. Nothing wrong You're with out. that with the first uh, series of the season, for sure. No, so. absolutely. It's, it's cold outside. Uh, mm. Muscles take forever to, to get loosened up in, in this cold, especially for pitchers. That's why you see hamstring injuries, groin injuries this time of year. Uh, so that's uh, that's a great point by you, Kane. Just an added um, element to, to this situation. But mm. those two guys are out going into to the year for this first weekend. And then Seth Halverson, who – I think people assumed that he was going to be in the starting rotation because he pitched at Missouri, the Missouri transfer, who throws hard but kind of struggled with some control last year. I think he was going to be one of the top arms out of the bullpen. Uh, certainly had a chance to start, but I was expecting Tidwell, Chase Dolander, Chase Burns to be the starting rotation going into the year, and then Seth Halverson with Camden Sewell be one of your top guys out of the bullpen. So adding Ethan Smith, a guy who has come out come out of the bullpen it obviously is huge in the short term because you're you're down some guys especially in the bullpen now some guys from the bullpen are having to move to the rotation but even long term even if Tennessee wasn't dealing with injuries this would still be a huge 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 addition and development because in the SEC you can never have too many arms it's as simple as that now I couldn't agree more um especially versatile arms arms that can give you a spot start if you need it. Uh, you know, starting experience in the Southeastern Conference is huge, and and uh, he's got it. Uh, mostly, again, a, a pin guy, but can come in there and give you, you know, two to four innings if needed, or just come in and, you know, get the, get you out of the two-on, you know, one-out jam, runners at the corners. I mean, he, he's a guy that is very versatile and, again, has done at the highest stage, and so you're exactly right. I think this is huge. Um how long, real quick sidebar? How how long is Halverson looking to looking to be out right now with that fractured arm? Mid April is is the the target. Yeah, man. Yeah. That, that's and that was just freaky. Just throwing yeah. a bullpen and I mean it just snapped and ugh, it makes me cringe just to to think. Just throwing a bullpen, doing his normal stuff, throws a pitch and his arm just snaps. Yeah, that's awful. Or it's forearm, I should say. That's um uh, again. That's why I think. That's why I think it, it's it's going to take Tennessee a little while to kind of find itself because just so much turnover uh, in terms of the arms on this team. So like on a weekend like this, and really you know from now moving forward, I think a guy like Chase Dolander is going to be huge for Tennessee. The transfer from Georgia Southern, uh, Georgia Southern is going to be amped up to to go and hit against him. I know that. No doubt about that. Um, but, I mean, a guy that's experienced, a guy that's been there, done that, and kind of adding him, and at least for this weekend, it looks like being the the meat to the freshman sandwich on either side of him, I think a guy like him to get a lot of quality innings to try to save that bullpen, because you wrote about this too, Ben. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you talk about all these injuries and everything and about the uncertainty in the starting rotation now. I mean, that's going to just devastate your bullpen because you're going to be taxing those bullpens, a lot of, a lot of mileage on those arms even before you get into SEC play. So, Having a guy like Dolander there to eat up innings or at least attempt to, I think it's going to be huge for Tennessee here in this first you know part of the season. Yes, and it is devastating for the bullpen, but also could be a blessing in disguise for the bullpen because now there are a couple of guys 
at the back end of that bullpen who have some experience over the last year, over the last two years, but but haven't necessarily taken a huge step forward. Uh, a Hollis Fanning, a Xander Seacrest, uh, a Will Mabry, a Mark McLaughlin, guys like that, that they're going to get an opportunity now. And, and it's they have a, a perfect opportunity to, to go out and perform well these first couple of weeks and, and then take take ownership of a, a key role moving forward. So it, it could prove to be a blessing in dis- disguise because that, now there are some guys that are going to have to step up. But I'm really intrigued to see what Ethan Smith does this weekend. Uh, I would imagine he comes out of the bullpen. Tony Vitello was kind of unsure in what he had in Ethan Smith a couple of weeks ago when he did his preseason media availability. Uh, he had just gotten here, and Tony said, quite frankly, like, I, I just don't really know yet what, what, what we've got there. He, he could start. Um, and he'll obviously probably start out coming out of the bullpen, but he, he throws good off-speed pitches, and he knows what the SEC is like. So he'll have a role, but real interested to see how his role develops over time, Eric. Yeah, yeah, same here. Again, just kind of another added element to what this team is going to, to kind of look like moving forward, and you're, you're losing, you know, just a Swiss Army knife and, and a guy like Sean Hunley, and, and the, you know, we already mentioned, you know, Chad Dallas and Cheese, and obviously, you know, Will Heflin and all those guys, so – it's going to be interesting for sure. And, and not all these, I mean, not all these questions are going to be answered this weekend. Frankly, you know, not many of them, if any, will be answered this weekend because again, it's just, it's just series number one. Like I, like one of the things I'm most intrigued about seeing is kind of, you know, how, how's this lineup going to be situated, right? Not only the batting order, but just, you know, everyday players. Cause I wouldn't say that I would say middle infield is certainly not set in stone. I mean, you've got options, you got a good idea, but it's not set in stone. Left field is very much up in the air. Designated hitter, all those positions affect who your primary DH is going to be moving forward. So, I think a great, um, I think a great word just to describe Tennessee baseball right now here in the early going is just opportunity. I mean, there's opportunity all around, and that's a good, you know, that that's a really really good thing. Whereas, you know, coming into the last couple of seasons, you kind of you kind of knew top to bottom what that batting order was going to look like, and you knew what you could count on. Um, but now you got a lot of new talent coming in and uh, a lot of talent that Tony Vitello worked to keep, you know, keep uh, from signing uh, professional contracts, but to come to Knoxville and, you know, they're going to have the opportunity to shine here in the early going. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued to see guys like Seth Stevenson, um, you know, Cortland Lawson, uh, you know, and then kind of, and, you know, on that note too, kind of who takes over uh, in left field with, with Russell moving behind the dish and, and yeah, how's, how's Russell going to translate? He was a catcher by Trey came to Tennessee here as a catcher was worked really hard this off season, but I mean, it's great to say you, I'm not, it's great to say everybody's been saying he's been working hard. That's great. That's fantastic. But getting back there, managing a staff, um, managing mound visits, throwing out runners and still being effective at the plate because I mean, you're adding a lot on, you're adding a lot to yourself, you know, getting down there and catching at least two games every weekend, uh, maybe a midweek game or whatever the case may be. Um, intrigued to see how all that plays out for sure. Yeah, and those are the things that I'm most interested to see this weekend. It's just the newcomers. I mean, it's it's that way every single year in any sport, any team. Everybody wants to, to see how the newcomers are going to shake out. But for Tennessee baseball, it, it's it's going to determine the newcomers are, or not necessarily. Yes, there are some newcomers, but even guys who have been here the last couple of years that are finally stepping in the starting roles. Kyle how they Booker. Pref- yes, Trey Lipscomb, Courtland yeah. Lawson. Those guys, maybe, they, maybe they, Christian Scott, guys like that. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep, they're they're going to determine whether Tennessee is is going to be really good again or just good. Um, Jordan Beck, Drew Gilbert, I am interested to see the step that they take, especially in a draft year for them. And they they have to have successful years for Tennessee to be successful. I mean, it's as simple as that. But it can't be just them. They have to get help. So, Eric, just looking to the weekend and, and what I am most intrigued in seeing is just simply that. What does Chase Dolander look like on Saturday? And I, I shouldn't even mention Chase Dolander first. Chase Burns is going to get the ball yeah. Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. He is Blade Tidwell 2.0, but maybe even better at this point arriving at Tennessee. No disrespect to Blade. I, I just I think that Chase, uh, his secondary pitches right off the bat are maybe a little bit better than, than Blade's, but it, it's not a comparison game whatsoever. Both are, are very, very talented. I'm just trying to give uh, the listener and the fans an idea for but what Ben's comparing. So yeah, <laughs> what to expect from uh, Chase Burns. I think he's a guy that's going to compete for SEC freshman of the year and and be yeah. one of the best pitchers in, in the league this year, even as a true freshman, he's a guy that could have been drafted, could be making millions right now, but he wanted to come learn from Frank Anderson and, and um, improve his draft stock over the next couple of years. And quite frankly, be closer to major league baseball when he graduates or moves on from Tennessee, rather than going through the low, low, low ranks of, of minor league baseball. And he, he's going to be fun. I'm telling you that that kid is electric. So Friday at four 30, that may be a tough time of a game for, for people to make it to, but if you're around a screen, iPad, computer, phone, pull it up on stream it's on sec network plus so it's online only you're gonna have to, to pull it up and and log into to your tv credentials but if you're around the screen that is essentially must watch television his first career start so interested to see how that goes chase dolander a guy that this staff views as a potential first round pick these newcomers is what i'm most interested to see this mm-hmm. weekend and you we were talking earlier about how it was tough to get a crowd you know coming to Lindsay nelson stadium let me tell you something there is nothing like the crowds at the lower level you know professional baseball uh go go take a trip to the gulf coast league actually you can't go watch any games because it's not open to the public i mean a lot of these guys if you would have went straight out of high school straight to the gulf coast coast league straight to the cactus league um they've taken the appalachian league and some of the other rookie level teams out now which is stupid fire rob manford that's another conversation for another day <laughs> but uh no i i i couldn't agree with you more Ch- uh, chase burns you know those the, the one two uh you know burns and dolander this weekend really excited to see that especially with chase burns um you know everybody can throw gas when you're young right especially nowadays yeah how good are you is you know how good those those uh second and, and third pitches are is really going to be what separates you, really. And that's the same case when you get all the way up to, you know, the major leagues. It's how good are your off-speed? How good are your, you know, change of pace and your braking and all that? And so very intrigued to see what Chase Burns uh, can give Tennessee. You know, stepping in, true freshman, opening day starter, that's going to be awesome. And then eventually, if you can get it, you can get to where all three of those guys are humming um, down the line. I mean, I understand that you're still not going to be at full strength, but uh, you get Blake Tidwell back in that mix later on, that's going to be exciting. So, Newcomers, Burns, Dolander, excited about that. What that lineup looks like initially tomorrow mm-hmm. and how it evolves uh, into Sunday. I'm going to be there covering the game, obviously, on Saturday, so looking forward to that. Uh, but, yeah, carbon copy, 100% newcomers. And that's going to be this, you know, that's going to be my answer for the first couple of weekends. Is first month or so. 
yeah, those newcomers, the opportunities, who's earning more reps and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's going to be a new lineup every day this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be a different lineup. Jordan Beck, he'll still be in there. Drew Gilbert, they'll be in there. You, you've got your faces that will always be in there. Luke Lipsius, uh, Evan Russell, even on the day that he doesn't catch, I, I would assume out of the gates he is not going to catch all three games. I, I imagine Charlie I would assume Taylor he'll, he'll DH when day. he's not catching, right? Yes, I would assume yeah. so. I would assume so. But you know he'll be in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But Trey Lipscomb, a lot of pressure on him this year because he's yeah. finally gotten a starting role. Cortland Lawson appears to be the starting shortstop. What do they What do they do at second base? I, I think there's a strong possibility it's Logan Steenstra, but that's not written in stone for the season like it is with Jordan Beck or Drew Gilbert. There's other guys that are going to get opportunities. Uh, Seth Stevenson, who could also play in left field this week, uh, he he's going to get some time at second base. Uh, Logan Chambers could play second base. There's a number of guys who could play second base. Uh, Christian Moore could play third base, shortstop, second base. He's a true freshman with an elite bat. How does he get incorporated this weekend? Blake Burke is a mini Luke Lipsius and further ahead than Luke was as a freshman. He He's a big-time bat, and he just absolutely crushes the ball. I, I think he'll get some at-bats this weekend. Uh, and then the the real big question mark and, and intrigue that I have this weekend is what Tennessee does on the mound Sunday. It'll, it'll be somewhat dictated by what happens on Friday, what happens on, on Saturday. Maybe a guy that they have in mind going into the weekend, you, you can't roll with him on Sunday because hopefully this doesn't happen. But if, if Burns or Dolander don't have a, a good performance and, and they have to, to tax the bullpen even more than they anticipated, then maybe you can't go with whoever they, they have in mind. But it, it's, it sounds like Drew Beam, a freshman, it really has potential to start on Sunday. They they kind of wanted to see how his bullpen was going to go at the end of the week. Uh, and, again, they'll see how Friday and Saturday goes. I, I don't think anything will be announced until Sunday morning. But Drew Beam, another true freshman to keep an eye on, uh, a guy that's coming off Tommy John and, and didn't really generate a lot of buzz in the fall because of that. He was a high school quarterback at Blackman Kane, and he is really impressed. And, and the hype behind the scenes is really – gradually picked up there wasn't much in the fall and then we come back from christmas and there's a little bit of drew drew beam buzz and then a little bit more and a little bit more a little bit more it's been like that the last several weeks so that is a fascinating storyline to keep up with if he does indeed get the ball to start on sunday and even if he doesn't start he's going to pitch early and often this season and if he pitches well he could earn a role an important role on the staff for the entire season Again, opportunity right now because of the unfortunate injuries that have hit Tennessee's starters, and you know that that obviously affects the bullpen. Drew Beam, I'm glad you said that because uh, I I kept reading up on him, and I initially was like, I've heard that name before. Pretty sure he was the quarterback at Blackman uh, because we had two of Blackman's games the last two years on, and I remember you know just doing a hit from the sideline saying this is Tennessee football. He's been a long time commit, I believe Tennessee baseball commit, and so. Yeah, that's really, really he, – he, he's an athlete, man. He's pretty pretty decent quarterback as well. They didn't let him throw it an awful lot, but uh, uh, I could definitely see he had the baseball makeup on the football field for sure. So uh, this weekend with Georgia Southern, um, Tennessee comes in, takes care of business. Hopefully they won't get in a, in a chance where they get in the um, incidents where they have to tax their bullpen and stuff early on. But who were some guys for, for Southern that are going to give Tennessee some issues? 
Look at that. Just already great, great cohesion here on the podcast. And it's first one of the year because I was about to bring that up as well. Ty Fisher, he's going to be the starter for Southern tomorrow afternoon, Friday afternoon, a lefty. Actually, funny enough, a a transfer from Tennessee Tech. uh, Appeared in 19 games for Southern last year. Started, or not for Southern, but for the Golden Eagles of Tennessee Tech and started 14 of those. Went uh, six and seven and had 65 strikeouts in 84 innings. So lefty Ty Fisher gets to start on Friday. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, and I should have said this off the bat, but Southern has a new-look rotation. All their guys from, from last year have moved on. It's it's the guys in the lineup that is really going to keep Tennessee up going into this weekend and, and worry Tony Vitello. They returned seven of nine starters in the lineup. So that that is the, the strength to Georgia Southern going into the year. But on the mound, they, they've got a new-look rotation. They got the transfer from Tennessee Tech going on Friday, and then they have two inexperienced guys going on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday will be Jalen Payton, a sophomore who also played in the field last year, uh, but when he was on the mound, went one and two in four starts, 25 innings, struck out 27. And then on Sunday, a guy named Ben, so he must be really good, uh, Ben Johnson, a righty who uh, did get some action last year, started five of the 21 games he appeared in went two and three uh, worked 41 and two-thirds innings and allowed 16 earned runs struck out 43 batters in those 41 and two-thirds innings so uh, we'll we'll have George, the voice of Georgia Southern baseball Danny Reed here on in just a moment to, to break down Georgia Southern more in depth but uh, Kane it, it seems like a good opportunity for the bats uh, to, to get off to a good start against some inexperienced uh, pitching that Georgia Southern has, but uh, a pitching staff that is kind of decimated and has a lot of inexperience going into the weekend for Tennessee, they'll, they'll be tested by a good Georgia Southern lineup. I, I think the opportunities are for both teams coming in here and in, in that line that they get some pop because a lot of question marks for both pitching staffs, for sure. So, and that's one thing about early season baseball, man. I mean, you've covered baseball long enough. Obviously, you uh, record Yankees games and go back and watch them. I'm the biggest Braves fan you'll ever meet, and I watch about 160, 162. But if I'm not home to watch, I'll keep up on my phone a little bit. I ain't going back to rewatch. I'll tell you that. Anyway, uh, you know, it, early season baseball is kind of gross, right? I mean, early season baseball, it's it's sloppy. Um, it takes a while, you know, for the bats to get heated up sometimes for specific players. Sometimes, uh, you know, high-scoring games. A lot of times it looks like midweek games. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that will be the case here for this weekend, but I think a lot of that will be the case here for the first couple weeks of the year until, you know, Tennessee kind of figures it out. So, like Georgia Southern, you know, Tennessee has its issues in, in the uh, – uh, in the arms right now in the starting rotation. So I think that there's just an abundant opportunity on both ends to score a lot of runs this weekend. We'll have to see. Hopefully that won't be the case, and Tennessee will be giving up uh, you know, fewer than, obviously, Georgia Southern. Uh, but I think that's kind of something that we need to watch out for at Lindsey Nelson this weekend. So regardless, I'm excited. Uh, glad baseball is back. I'm ready for this new chapter of Tennessee baseball to start and see kind of how, um, how you weather the storm a little bit because, again – a lot of adversity this year, not only with the injuries, but again, just, you know, not rebuilding, regrouping as uh, the expectations there because you went to Omaha, you expect to win a lot of games this year. So I'm excited to see how Tennessee uh, tries to do just that. Should be a very fun opening weekend. Georgia Southern, a good baseball program. 
and Georgia, the state of Georgia, that is, is is a, a baseball rich state. So you see a lot of the non-Georgia Bulldogs, non-Georgia Tech schools, really good at baseball. Kennesaw State, typically really good. Uh, Valdosta State, Georgia State, Georgia Southern. Uh, a lot of schools like that in the state of Georgia are, are typically really good because Georgia is such a, a talent-rich state when it comes to baseball. And last year we had a flair for the dramatics with uh, Drew Gilbert and, and the Vols getting into it with Southern. So uh, the, I'm sure there will be a, some, of, some of that chippiness this year. And you've, you've got the added layer of Chase Dolander transferring oh, yeah. and his first game at Tennessee being against his old team. I mean, you, you can't write a story any better than that. But this weekend will be a fun one, Kane. Game one on Friday, 4.30 p.m. Game two and game three on Saturday and Sunday, both at 1 p.m. And all games will be streamed on SEC Network Plus. So uh, before we get to, to Danny Reed here, real excited to have you on the pod this year with me, my friend. Yeah, dude, I uh, really appreciate the invitation. Really looking forward to it. Um, and I uh, hope the listeners are as well. Uh, well I do want to make a quick reminder. Um, streamed, obviously, you can watch and listen at utsports.com. Uh, John Wilkerson, uh, you know, we'll have all the calls. It won't be on the radio until SEC play. That's pretty That's pretty normal, but I always forget this time of the year. I'm, I was talking to John yesterday. I'm like, yeah, you can hear the call on the sports animal. And he's like, ah, not yet, because I always forget. I mean, you hear the stream call, and then obviously uh, every SEC game will be on the radio when the time comes. So just a reminder. Yes, a, a great one, and one that I meant to mention and just simply forgot. Nobody loves John Wilkerson more than me, and uh, nobody was happier for John Wilkerson than me. And nobody deserved last year more than John yeah. Wilkerson himself. I asked him this week at Tony Vitello's media availability, "What year is this, John?" And I believe he said thirty-two. It was thirty 32. something. Thirty-two. Year thirty-two of Tennessee baseball, and I, I know he had the nineties and the early two thousands there, but man, what a whole lot of bad baseball in between the Todd Helton and Chris Burks. To to <laughs> Drew Gilbert a lot of, to Tony Vitello, long long walks up the stairs. Yes, to radio booth. Yes, so I mean, nobody deserved that more. No, literally nobody deserved that more than him last year to to yeah. have that that trip back to to Omaha. So uh, really happy for him. But uh, as I mentioned in the the season preview pod that I did earlier in the week, uh, the goal for me and Kane do a pod on on Sunday afternoon or early Monday at the latest get it out early Monday afternoon uh, just recapping the weekend uh, that's the goal this weekend to, to record Sunday afternoon Sunday evening whatever uh, maybe Monday if we have to so we'll have a reactionary pod after each weekend and then like this one uh, we'll, we'll aim for Thursday afternoonish and get a preview pod for the weekend and also uh, midweek games start next week we'll have some midweek games to to recap as well Tennessee has two next week on Tuesday and Wednesday if the, the weather holds off, looks like it's supposed to rain. So uh, on that preview for the weekend pod, we'll also talk some some midweek baseball. So that's the plan for Kane and I. Did you have anything else you'd like to add on the way out, my friend? Oh, man, you pretty much covered it. Appreciate the uh, the invitation. And uh, I can I can literally, at the time of this recording, I can hear hear the rain outside. So hopefully that'll come and get out of here and we can have a, you know, a semi-decent weekend of weather for Tennessee baseball. Yeah, the rain's supposed to stop by by morning. It's just unfortunately there's gonna it's gonna come with a temperature drop, uh, so that yeah. will not be be fun. Nothing worse than playing baseball in the cold. But uh, that'll do it for Eric and I. Eric, how can uh, people follow you and your work? I I know you have a thousand ways people can can find you and your work. And as you mentioned, you'll you'll be helping me cover the team this weekend for VolQuest. So how can people find you and your work? 
Yep. Easiest way on Twitter at underscore Kaner. Uh, pretty much post everything there. A um, couple of different podcasts, Locked on Vols, Workover Vol Quest, and of course the radio station, but you can find it all on Twitter at underscore Kaner. He's Eric Kane. I am Ben McKee. That'll do it for this portion of the podcast. Next up, before we get out of here, I sat down earlier this week with Danny Reed, the voice of Georgia Southern baseball, to uh, preview more in-depth this Georgia Southern baseball team that is ready to get up and, and play here in Knoxville. So without further ado, here's Danny Reed, the voice of Georgia Southern baseball. Joined now by Danny Reed, the voice of Georgia Southern Athletics, the play-by-play man for football, men's basketball, and baseball. Quite the busy man. You can follow him on Twitter at GS Eagles Voice. Danny, how are you, my friend? Doing well, Ben. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And what a way to kick off college baseball for both Georgia Southern and Tennessee. That series last year down in Statesboro was just full of fireworks and a great competitive back and forth series. Very entertaining. And here we are again for the rematch in Knoxville. It'll be one that I would imagine has fireworks once again, just based off of how last year went. It, it was just the first three out of what ended up being the 57 games, but we talked about that series all year, thinking how the Eagles were in position to win two of those three games. But then Drew Gilbert decided to be a hero, and then Liam Spence decided to be a bigger hero in the finale. But (laughs) even with a Tennessee team that went to the College World Series last year, Georgia Southern was right with them all three games that weekend. I think the Eagles were able to exploit Tennessee's want to try to hit as many long balls as possible by striking out 45 guys in three games and being that the Eagles have so much fourth and fifth year talent back and they want to play on an SEC stage. They've they've been excited for this one for a while. Trust me. From that weekend on, how did Georgia Southern season go last year? Ended up 34 and 23. We're doing really well in the midway portion of the season, hit a rough patch there in the middle of May, but then came back to win two of the final three against UT Arlington, wrapped up the number two seed in the East, made the conference championship game for the fourth time in the last five seasons that there were conference title games, but for the fourth time in those five tries, lost the championship game. This time it was to South Alabama. That's really been the story for Georgia Southern since coming to the Sun Belt. At their last year in the SoCon in 2014, they won 40 games. They won the league championship on a walk-off RBI, went to Tallahassee, and then Sam Howard threw a shutout against Florida State, ended up getting drafted in the third round. He's been a member of the Pirates' bullpen for the last couple of years. But ever since coming to the Sun Belt, it's been close but not quite. Four championship games, four losses. And head coach Rodney Hennett, who's now in year 23, he's a big believer that the way that you schedule in the non-conference is going to help your team down the stretch and get you ready for instances where you can win a league championship. It's just a matter of trying to actually get that first one since making the move eight years ago. How much of that team is back for this year? I heard you mention uh, some four- and five-year guys are, are coming back and maybe want to avenge that taste in their mouth. Uh, this weekend from last year, and Tennessee has a couple of guys, three of them to be exact, that decided to take advantage of the free COVID year and return, and that's going to be a big boost for them from a leadership standpoint and a production standpoint because they had some guys also get drafted, quite a few guys get drafted off of last year's team. So uh, how much of that team that sounds like it, it had a pretty successful season last year, how much of that team is back this year? Yeah, the odd thing is that seven of the nine position starters are back, but the guys that 
you lose, you lose your entire weekend rotation. You lose the Sunbelt Player of the Year and the Sunbelt Male Student Athlete of the Year in Mason McWhorter, who was an outstanding left fielder, had one of the best offensive seasons for Georgia Southern in recent memory. And you lose the national leader in saves in Nick Jones. He was an eighth-round pick by the Angels last year. He ended up with 17 saves, which also tied a Georgia Southern record. So even though bulk-wise you've got a number of guys back, the ones that are gone are pretty key pieces. And it'll be a matter of, okay, guys that were there last year, can they occupy those spots? And on the aggregate, try to make up for what is gone. And also from a transfer standpoint, what can fill in the cracks and get Georgia Southern back to where they feel that they should be. More than enough guys remember that series last year, and more than enough guys have been around and had a lot of success. But now they may have to may have to fill some different roles. There are three preseason all Sunbelt guys on this roster, but now that they can't necessarily rely on a McWhorter or a Jones to simply save the day, now those guys have to be the ones to do it game in and game out. One of the reasons Georgia Southern will have a new-look pitching rotation and top of the staff is partly Tennessee's fault because Chase Dolander has transferred from Georgia Southern to Tennessee, which adds to the intrigue this weekend on top of the fireworks uh, that took place last year in Statesboro. How did Chase's season go last year, and what are kind of your thoughts on uh, just that matchup this weekend and just the, the oddity of it? We could see the potential really early in that Tennessee game. He was really good, struck out eight guys in five and two-thirds innings. You could see the arm potential. He was anywhere from 95 to 97 with that fastball, and I'm sure for him in his college debut, he was trying to be as good as he possibly could. He ended up with 13 strikeouts over six shutout innings later on in the year against Appalachian State. But after that game, he kind of tapered off a little bit. He dealt with some arm trouble. He ended up coming out of the bullpen a couple of times late in April. But by the time that May rolled around, he wasn't being used. He got shut down because that arm was just not in a position where he could be a contributor. Did not have him at all during the run to the Sunbelt Championship game. And he surely would have been valuable. And then some things happen where he ultimately ends up going to Tennessee. And I highly expect to see him in some form over the course of the next couple of days. And the <laughs> yes. fact that Georgia Southern knows him so well and he knows so many of these guys so well, it creates a matchup where a year ago he was wearing the blue and white and now he's wearing the orange. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how it goes when he is summoned. But for somebody that gets a chance to work with Frank Anderson, who's one of the most respected pitching coaches anywhere, I've, I've got a feeling that he has added a couple of things that Georgia Southern doesn't know about but at the same time the Eagles know him so well so who can gain the upper hand will definitely be a storyline at some point this weekend seems like Georgia Southern and its strengths at least on paper going into the season seems like it's going to be the lineup and and then there's a big question mark in the pitching rotation uh, just with the pitching staff in general you touched on it a little bit a moment ago but within that lineup just who are the names that Tennessee fans just absolutely need to know and, and the names that you think uh, maybe keeping Frank Anderson and Tony Vitello up this this Wednesday and Thursday night? Well, the, the thing with those guys is, I mean, the three preseason all-conference guys in first baseman Jason Swan, designated hitter Noah Ledford and right fielder Christian Avant, those are the guys that are going to get a lot of the attention. But Parker Beatier in center field was fabulous down the stretch. He drove in all three runs in that 11-inning victory against Louisiana in the semifinals that sent Georgia Southern to the championship. He was fifth in the league in hitting, but he just constantly gets overlooked because he barely says a word. He'll be back out there in center field. Austin Thompson is a fifth-year starter at shortstop. Jared Brown and Blake Evans will platoon at third base. 
behind the plate. J.P. Tig is back for his fourth season, but he's finally the guy because for years he was behind a sixth-year senior in Matt Anderson, but now it's it's his position to probably lose, even though I think you will see a little bit of Kyler Holtgren, a transfer from Florida, and also with Sean White, a true freshman, coming in. I think all three of them are going to have a chance to catch. The biggest omission is who's going to be in left field and who is going to be at second base with Mason finally moving on. Will Patota, the Alabama transfer, is probably your penciled-in starter for opening night. Big left-handed bat at 6'3", 230. He makes it look pretty easy when he gets a hold of it and somebody that's blessed with a lot of offensive tools and then at second base Stephen Curry was a five-year starter and set the school record for it by pitches he was so steady and so consistent his position will be filled by Jesse Sherrill who played at the start of his career at Gordon College just outside of Atlanta but comes to Statesboro directly from Kennesaw State where ironically he hit a grand slam against Georgia Southern in a midweek game last year up at Kennesaw but somebody that is blessed with speed gives the Eagles in a, di- a dimension in that spot that they haven't had for a couple of years, really good bat to ball and really high on base percentage. So that's, that's how the offense is looking. It, it feels like one through nine. It's an order that can put stress on any kind of pitching staff and knowing that seven of those guys have been here for at least three years. That's a good thing too. The, the two that haven't been, is that the question mark with the lineup with the defense going into the year or uh, what is the, the concern uh, with, with that part, portion of the team? If it's just offensively, it's simply subtracting a 370 average, 18 home runs, and 60 RBIs from Mason McCorder, figuring out how you're going to make up for those and keep the offensive production similar. But the, there, are a, there were a couple things that the offense, even though they were really good, they led the Sun Belt in batting average. They hadn't done that in the league in more than a decade. But the fact that the team was not very good with the bases loaded, they didn't get a hit with the bases loaded after April the 10th last year. And for a team that still won 34 games, that was impressive. And then also offensively, it was a struggle at times getting the leadoff guy on base. But when Georgia Southern does, they'll get their bunt game going. I think this team has a little bit more speed and athleticism than they have in past years, especially with Cheryl there as a table setter. So being able to get those runs in from third with less than two outs and just trying to put put pressure not just on an opposing pitching staff, but also on defenses, constantly have them on their toes. I think that Georgia Southern is a team that can exceed the six runs a game they scored last year. Any idea as to how the starting rotation will look this weekend or how the bullpen will be deployed? Uh, just Is it just going to be kind of throwing darts at the board until coach can figure out who he can trust just with uh, so much newness? The good thing is that rotation-wise, you will see a couple of guys that had roles last year. One guy that's going to be the opening night starter was not here, but he has been an opening night starter his last stop. And ironically, he pitched at Tennessee Tech, the lefty Ty Fisher, who's a four-pitch guy, owner of a really good curveball, upper 80s fastball. He'll get the ball for game one on Friday and then Saturday, Sunday. Jalen Payton, who's going to be a second-year freshman or a sophomore, depending on how you want to look at it, at at a Decatur just outside of Atlanta, somebody that saw a velocity jump during the fall. He hit 97 in one of Georgia Southern's two games at the University of Florida. He'll be that number two guy after being primarily a midweek and some weekend relief last year. And then Ben Johnson will be the number three. He was in the weekend rotation at the start of the season, ended up going – to the bullpen where he was a multi-inning guy and 
I don't, he, he didn't give up an earned run his final 16 innings last year. So for a true freshman to find the success that he did down the stretch, that should set him up to give it another go in the starting rotation. And then bullpen-wise, that, that's a little bit more of a mishmash. You do have Jay Thompson coming back, the crafty lefty, who's mostly going to be 82-84, but the ball has a lot of movement. He's very tough to square up and somebody that could pitch just about every game if he is needed. And then on the back end, Brooks Gorman, Thomas Higgins, and Thomas Ross, three guys that weren't here last year but have all flashed really good stuff. Ross probably projects as the closer, but Higgins is somebody that's seen a velocity jump. He's been in the low 90s after being an upper 80s guy in the fall. So those, those guys will definitely be people that you'll see in the back end of the rotation and in the back end of the bullpen too. Joined by Danny Reed here on the Diamond Vols podcast. Danny, uh, two more things before we get you out of here. Just what would be a good season this year for Georgia Southern baseball? What What is the expectation and, and what would that be – be met by to in order for this to be a successful season see that's a loaded question because with so much <laughs> back and considering that the eagles have been to four of the last five sunbelt championship games it's become common to say okay we're going to be there on sunday just got to find a way to win it we're going to be there on sunday just got to find a way to win it the, the expectation is always going to be to be the best team in the league and not have to worry about it at large bid and the sunbelt really hasn't been in that position the last few years now with the four teams that are coming in starting next year maybe as soon as next year i would think the sunbelt automatically becomes a multi-bid league but in the eagles case try to get to 40 wins try to get to championship sunday and then just be able to finish the job this year because so many guys have been through this before. They haven't been there for just one championship loss. It's multiple title losses. That can sting after a while, but eventually you've got to find a way to make that fuel you or you're going to be overcome by it. And even though these are only three games out of roughly 60 that the team is going to play, I, I, I know they want these just to get themselves off to a good start because next week you've got your home opener against Georgia Tech and then a three-game series against a UCF team that's had five straight winning seasons since Greg Lovelady took over down there. Yeah, that, that is quite the loaded non-conference schedule, but uh, some, some good baseball for you to watch down there for sure. Call your shot. Is Georgia Southern going to be a NCAA tournament team or not? I hope so. <laughs> Fair I don't enough. I want to be those that says 50 wins at Omaha and all that. Georgia Southern's only been to Omaha twice. But what I will say is that the pieces appear to be there to help the Eagles get over the hump with seven position guys back with a lot of depth. Even though it's inexperienced, there is a lot of depth on that pitching staff. It's just a matter of if they can recognize their roles and then succeed in those roles. And hopefully this time, if the Eagles get to a championship game on a Sunday, they're able to dogpile instead of watch everybody else do it. Yes, well, it'll be a very fun weekend this weekend at Lindsey Nelson Stadium as Georgia Southern and Tennessee get back together after last year's fireworks. Chase Dolander, former Georgia Southern pitcher, he'll be on the mound. That adds intrigue to the matchup as well. First pitch for the weekend is Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And Danny, greatly appreciate you, my friend. You got it, man. Perfect. That is Danny Reed, and you can follow him on Twitter at GS Eagles Voice.